Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. This day of the original Pentecost, actually, it's the original, original New, New Testament Pentecost because it was celebrated as a holiday even in the Old Testament. That's why people were gathered in Jerusalem. Occurred only 10 days after Jesus was lifted up from the earth and a cloud hid him from the presence so the disciples couldn't see him anymore. Now we say, and the Bible says too, he ascended into heaven. But as he promised, he is still here. That picture of going up and the cloud covering him up kind of gives it a picture of, yeah, he's still here. We just can't see him. But of course, he can be everywhere at once, which is something you can't picture anyway. But that's, uh, that's what happened on that 10 days ago. And now we have a new visitor appears on the scene, or rather makes his presence known in a special way. We just heard in the second reading what happened that day. There was that sound of a rushing, violent wind, but nothing flew around. Tongues looked like fire sitting on the heads of the disciples. Everybody in the house didn't burn them up. Then they started speaking in languages they had never studied before. And it sounded like gibberish coming out of their mouth to, to many of the people because they did not they only understood the language that they knew. And then they went out, boldly speaking, the wonderful works of God. These men who had been hiding behind closed doors before this. Wow, amazing things. And the, God's Word tells us it's because these men were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had promised that this is just what would happen several times. And that's included in, in various of his promises. And today we want to look at one of those promises, uh, that he let, which is, spoke just hours before he was arrested and, and uh, crucified uh, to his disciples. And so we can rightly consider these promises he makes in this text as Jesus' parting promises. Not that he actually left, but he left, he was gone from their physical presence. His first parting promise, we read in the first two verses of our text, verse 25 and 26, I have told you these things while staying with you, but the Counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. Now, we need to clear up a little bit. That a lot of people misunderstand the Holy Spirit. Some people say the Holy Spirit is more just a power or a force, not something even tangible and not something personal, but we see how Jesus talks about him here. He says, I will, the Father will send him out in my name. In other places, I will send him out from the Father. He can be sent 
And then he says, he will teach you. He will remind you. This Holy Spirit is clearly a person. He's a person of our God. We call the triune God, the three-in-one God. Now, God is one. He's one in essence. Can't divide up God into three pieces, for example. That's No, that's not how it works. He is one. And yet, somehow, in some way, we can understand there are these three persons that can act independently. The best place to see this is Jesus' baptism. When the Father speaks from heaven, not the Son, not the Holy Spirit, the Son, Jesus, comes up out of the water. The Father doesn't come up, the Spirit doesn't come up. And the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. Not the Father, not the Son. Three persons who can act independently, and yet there is one God. We cannot comprehend it. We just see it in the Bible. And Jesus here is speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom he said would be sent by the Father in Jesus' name. And then there's a title that Jesus gives him here. It's a title that is translated in many different ways in English translations because it's really hard to capture its full meaning. And some translations just use the Greek word paraclete. And that comes to, that's a compound word in Greek which simply means para beside, clete calling. Someone called to their side, to stand beside them. That's its basic meaning. It came to, in the Greek language, came sometimes to refer to a lawyer, like a defense lawyer. And so we run into the translation, advocate, or as in our evangelical heritage version, counselor. Can be broader than that, too. Can refer to him as mediator, or intercessor, or helper, another word that's often used to translate this word. And here Jesus works, speaks of this, this work of the Holy Spirit and being called to the side of the disciples as he will teach you and remind you. So I'm going to suggest that for today, this is not even a suggested translation of this word, but for the day we're going to use the word professor. Jesus promised the disciples a professor, a holy professor. Well, professor, what do, what do they do? Professor, according to one dictionary definition, is a teacher of the highest rank in a college or university. Holy Spirit fits that, doesn't he? Or one who affirms the faith or affirms the faith or allegiance or professes something. That's where the word comes from. Certainly the Holy Spirit did that. So it accurately describes at least part of the work that the Holy Spirit would do as uncalled to the side of the disciples be a professor. So let's look at some of the things that he did. Look at the disciples before this day. Did they understand what Jesus... Jesus taught them for three years. And they still did not fully understand and grasp what Jesus was trying to teach. One thing, they had this false idea that Jesus had come up to set up some kind of new order 
with him at the head on earth. And so they argued among themselves, for example, who was going to be the highest and where people were going to sit in this. Even after Jesus' resurrection, they were still questioning, when are you going to set this up? And clearly they understand when we see they hid behind closed doors, locked doors after Jesus' death. But now, look at them. They came out of the house. They boldly started speaking of the wonders of God with clarity. In Peter's sermon, he preached about who Jesus is and what he had come to do and even came to accuse his hearers of crucifying him. Boldness and clarity that that came from the Holy Spirit beside him, teaching him and reminding him of all of these things. And they would go on to do this. The book of Acts is full of how these apostles, and especially Paul, who was actually called as an apostle later on, would go out and continue this work of proclaiming who Jesus is and his resurrection with clarity and understanding for many people, changing the hearts of many people. Clearly, the Holy Spirit was fulfilling his role of being a professor that Jesus had promised, the teacher of the highest rank. Now, think about this. Think back in your own life to a professor or maybe a teacher, other teacher, that was particularly influential on you, that you particularly value. Now, I'm guessing that in most of these cases, this professor was not, he wouldn't value this person because they imparted some new knowledge to you and told you new things. For knowledge, you can get that out of the reading assignments. But the professor would be valued because they were able to give you understanding. How they helped you put things together. How they helped you see how things interconnected, the implications of this knowledge you had read. To help you stand in wonder of some of the amazing things that that are in this world. And to help you apply it to your lives. That would be the real work of a professor. And, you know, the Holy Spirit does that. Because, you know, we don't understand it. We have this problem. We start off, we, by nature, are sinful human beings. We have a sinful nature. It's still there, too, by the way, but uh, we have a sinful nature. This sinful nature is hostile to God. Doesn't want to listen to what God has to say. Rejects it out of hand. It's kind of like if a person that you loathe wants to tell you something. Will you listen to them? Even if they have something valuable to say, you probably don't. You don't want to listen to them. But then somebody comes up beside you and and tries to help you see, you know, this person, I know you don't like this person, but they have something valuable to say. There's something worthwhile here. There's something that would be good for you to, to listen to. And that was the function of the Holy Spirit. It is the function of the Holy Spirit as this, you might say, professor. He is like an intermediary, helping you see that what God says is something true and beneficial for you, 
uh, making what God says is, you know, helping you understand it and uh, <coughs> apply it and see how useful it is for your life. The Holy Spirit uses other people in this world, other believers in this world, to, to help with this function of, of teaching, of explaining, of applying. The disciples, on that very first Pentecost day, especially we hear of Peter, but the others were doing similar things, uh, proclaimed and told and explained how Jesus, God had sent Jesus uh, to be the Savior, how he was died according to God's will and, and rose again. And you crucified him. You, you were sinners. And, and uh, this had an effect. The Holy Spirit used that explanation. Worked in the hearts of thousands of people, 3,000 people on that very day, to change their hearts so that they would listen to what God had said and, and repent and to believe. Um, <clears throat> now, certainly the Holy Spirit can work in your hearts as you read His Word in your homes, listen to it in your homes. But He has given us additional opportunities, just as right now, to come together and gather and listen as this word is read, as it's proclaimed and explained to you. And, you know, we can get some of these benefits from tuning into a live stream. And many of us have had to do that for weeks and, and even months. Uh, but it is not quite the same. In fact, God tells us that gathering to hear his word is, is important for us gathering, and, and there are additional benefits to that. Yes, we're still coming out of a pandemic. There's still grave dangers. It's still killing many people, for example. But we weigh the risks versus the benefits, the risk of going out and being among people that, uh, that may have COVID versus the benefits of actually gathering and, and hearing God's word proclaimed. Now, soon... You're going to have a new opportunity to gather and hear a new pastor present God's word to you. Jonathan Lehman has been studying God's word, how to teach it, how to preach it, for years. Four years of seminary training. Three of those years were classroom training. Every day, class after class of studying God's Word, the New Testament in the original language of Greek, the Old Testament in the original language God gave it in Hebrew, learning from sage professors how best to teach this, how to preach it. They gather and, and preach the sermon and then let their classmates critique it. And this was, this was years. And even before that, four years of college, where they learn, he learned the Greek language and the Hebrew language and uh, various classes in theology, but also classes in history and English and a smattering of science and math and, and various other topics to give him a, a good foundation. He has spent years preparing for this. And now he's going to come here and share that with you. And he will you know, gather like this and, and listen to him proclaim this word and, and maybe uh, Bible classes and, and personal visits and 
It's a special opportunity where the Holy Spirit will be working as one at your side to help understand and apply and grow your faith in Him. Now, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit of helping understanding as a professor. There's another aspect, you know, that aspect of boldness that these disciples had. That is another piece of the puzzle. And and part of that is answered in the second parting promise of Jesus. His parting promise of giving peace. uh, His own peace. As we read in verse 27 of our text, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Well, let's look at this concept of peace, perhaps from the lack of peace. Again, in the Middle East, in that, uh, in and around that country now named Israel, in the land called Palestine, well, there has been anything but peace. Much fighting. And is there any hope of getting peace there? Well, just so you can see it in the two names. There's Israel, which is the name the Jews gave this country. And Palestine, the people who lived there even before the Jews or during this intervening time. The Jews consider this land as divinely given to them. Now, actually, they lost that right when they rejected the Savior that Jesus, that God sent them. But they still, this is their divine right to this land. And so the Palestinians, you have to make way for us, the, you know, the real people here. On the other hand, the Palestinians, especially under the leadership of Hamas, Hamas now, you know, they're, they're not even looking for a two-state nation. They're not satisfied until the nation of Israel is gone and there's a Land, you know, a nation of Palestine set up in this country. How do you make peace between the groups like this? Uh, in this world, it's really almost impossible. Temporary peace, maybe. And there are many pieces in the world where th- similar things are happening. You know, India and Pakistan, India and, and China, the Balkan Peninsula. I lived in Albania for many years and, and, uh, that's just all sorts of conflicts going on there. It's all over the world like that. Then you get closer to home. Families. Where behaviors have, have broken up families and caused discord, adulterous behaviors, even some cases uh, incestuous behaviors, selfish, people think of only themselves, greedy. How often does the death of, of, the, of parents and the ensuing fight over the will break up siblings. It just happens in this world. How how can we get peace in this world? What if one of the parties, the warring parties in one of these situations, says, okay, I am going to wipe the slate clean. I'm simply going to forgive all you people that have harmed me or hurt me. I'm not going to hold it against you anymore. Just come and let's be one together. Does that happen in this world? It doesn't, does it? But that's exactly 
not quite exactly, but this is what God has done. Now, there's one big difference here. You know, God is never a guilty party in this warring thing because God is perfectly holy. If there's a lack of peace between us and God, it's because of us, not God. Still, God has said, I'm going to do something about this. He sent his son, and his son took on our sins, paid the punishment for all the sins that all people have ever committed. And then God turns around and he says, okay, I don't hold anything against you. You're forgiven. You're at peace with me. I, I have nothing against you. You're at peace. I'm at peace with you. And so he calls people, come, come back to me. Of course, that uh, means acknowledging, yeah, we were the problem, which is definitely the case, and accepting that what he has done has been done for us. That's the real peace. But why is this peace important? If you look a little deeper, what are people really afraid of? Why are people afraid of covid Why are people afraid of cancer? Is it not because they are afraid to die? And why is that? Because everyone knows, whether deep down or more on the surface, there is something after this life. We as human beings have a soul. God gave us a soul, an eternal soul, that continues to live, go on after we die. And this feeling we will have to give an account to our Maker, then. And that is what causes tremendous fear, because we're facing eternal punishment. And if anybody thinks about it enough, they will realize this is there. It's planted in in every one of us. Uh, That's worse than anything we face on this earth. It's reason to try to stay alive, but that only postpones the inevitable. Uh, But, Jesus paid that punishment. He took care of that punishment, that eternal punishment that we faced. He faced it on the, on the cross when his father abandoned him. And then he died, like we are supposed to have to die. And uh, so now that's gone. We can look at death, and death is still a terrible thing. God didn't create us to die without fear. On the other side is a Heavenly Father waiting with open arms to take us with Him. So we can go through this life without having to fear death. That doesn't mean we run toward it. We still take the precautions we think we need to take. You know, some people it's wearing masks. Some people, you know, getting the vaccine, uh, staying away from the people. Uh, other people, it's, it's, it's different. We each have different ways of facing these things, and yet... What we want to do is yeah, continue to live as long as the Lord wants us to live and, and, to, and to do the things he wants us to do. And, but we don't have to fear death. And that's this true peace. And as we listen to God's word, more and more, the Holy Spirit will be working in our hearts to give us more assurance, more tranquility, more peace in this life. And as we feel more and more that peace that Jesus wants to give us, that peace will overflow 
to the lives of people around us. We will want to reflect that forgiveness that gives us peace to people around us. When people do us wrong, we forgive them. And that means letting go. Letting go of any need or any desire to want to get even, that we have to get justice, that something has to be done. Just let it go. And let God take care of things. Because he has promised he will. Uh, And so then we will act lovingly. Doing good things for those who have harmed us, those who have sinned against us. Because, oh, we can let go. God let go of our sins. We can let go of their sins. And that doesn't mean we always open ourselves up to being repeatedly harmed, uh, especially when the other person is not shown any remorse or confessed that he has done that. But even lacking that, we can still be at peace ourselves because God gives us peace and enjoying that peace that, that Jesus gives us. Yeah, Jesus made two, well, among others, he made other promises, two parting promises that we are taking a particular look at today. The first one is a parting promise of a holy professor to another of his own peace. We follow the story of that first Pentecost and we see how that professor worked in the lives of his disciples so that they could go on and proclaim clearly and boldly that message he gave them. Uh, and he still does, does this. He enables us to speak. He enables us to understand. And then there's that peace that accompanied these disciples that gave them that boldness, that they could go on and face even persecution and eventually death uh, as they carried out this work. And yeah, Jesus still gives us peace. Peace that flows from his forgiveness and his reconciliation with us peace that overflows in our lives. So hold on to Jesus' parting promises. The promise of a holy professor, the promise of his own peace. Amen.